Well, this morning I have entitled the message, Do Not Fear. And we talked about this, it came up in passing a couple weeks ago, about fear, and we, we talked about how many times in the Scripture you can find the words, do not fear, or be not afraid, or do not be afraid, or some, some version of that, at least uh, in, in the context of God telling His people not to be afraid. You can find it over a hundred times. I think it's closer to 110 10 times, depending on which translation and which, how you're searching for it. But he tells us multiple, God tells us multiple times, do not fear, do not be afraid, be not afraid, fear not. You know, the, the truth is, when you look at that, we really shouldn't have to be told that many times, amen? I mean, God should be able to tell us one time, do not fear, and that should cover it. But the truth is, when God says something that many times, you better believe it's pretty important to God. It's important to God that we're not afraid. That we don't have to fear. That we can look to Him and be strengthened. And as I was preparing this, and I was looking at all these scriptures, uh, three common reasons that, that people are afraid came to the top. And it's not the only reasons, but these are the three primary reasons. And the first one is that, that we get afraid of people. We, we get scared of other people. Afraid of what they're going to do. And, and uh, particularly as Christians, we get afraid... Uh, you know, if we go and speak to somebody, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? What will they go and tell their friends? In other countries, they have it a whole lot worse because they're, they're following the call of God and they wonder, if I go and speak to somebody, are they going to kill me? The truthfully, what we're afraid of seems like, like small, small fries compared to what they're dealing with. Amen? The next thing that people seem to be afraid of is circumstances. We seem to be afraid of, of what might happen or what could happen or what's going to be the result. And some of that's even in our, our own lives. You know, we're, 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 we're challenged to, even just a few moments ago, we're challenged to put God first and honor Him and, and give. Yet we're afraid of what will happen if I, what if I give? Will I not have enough money for groceries? Will I not have enough money for rent? Am I not going to have money for gas? And, and we have that fear that creeps in. You don't have to worry, we're not going to take another offering today. I'm just making a point. But we're afraid of, of circumstances, what could happen, what might happen. It's this anxiety that we get. And then the third one, which I found interesting, when people in the, in the, in the Scriptures get afraid, is when God shows up. And we're going to look at you, but when God shows up, people become afraid. I'm like, man, I thought that was weird. But the truth is, I think all of us are a little bit afraid when God shows up. What is that going to mean for our lives? I mean, when God calls you, that means something's got to change. Something's got to give. When God shows up in your life, you better believe that there's going to be an expectation. And that can be a little bit scary. Not to mention when God shows up, miraculous things happen, amazing things happen. And even though we believe in a supernatural God, and He does supernatural things, the truth is that doesn't fit in the way that we've been taught and trained our whole life, that the world is all natural and, and there's a scientific order and everything. God shows up and does something amazing. That can scare you a little bit. But the main reason that I wanted to talk about not fearing today, this whole message, the whole reason it came up is because I believe that fear is the number one, one of the number one hindrances of you fulfilling your calling and your purpose in life. 
And you can think about even right now as we begin to get into this message, you can think about how many times has God called on me to do something? How many times has, have I felt the Holy Spirit whispering in my ear and, and I didn't follow through because I was afraid? And I bet if you think about it for a short moment, you'll begin to think, pop up right now. But the truth is, God says, do not fear. Amen? So let's take a look at this word. We'll just look at the title. We good? We'll just stay here. Uh, yeah, want to hit the next one for me? There we go. So I took a look at a quick definition on, on Google because that's where you can find the answer to everything. Google. And if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Right? So anyway, the, the definition of fear, if you look at it as a noun, it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. That kind of fits when we're afraid of people, right? And then he says, a feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something or the safety and well-being of someone. That's kind of that fearing that circumstances. And I think when God shows up, we get a little bit of both. Is he here to smack my knees or is he here to change my circumstances and we want to run away? You guys, <laughs> never mind. Verb says to be afraid of something. Some, someone or something is likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. To feel anxiety or amp- apprehension on behalf of something. Or to avoid or put off doing something because one is afraid. And that's actually how it affects our calling in our life because we're we, we either afraid that we're going to get hurt, we're afraid that a, a crazy situation is going to happen that will probably cause us to get hurt, or... We're, we're putting something off. We're not living out what God's called us to do because ultimately we're afraid we're going to get hurt. I once heard that someone say that all fear stems from a fear of death. And here's basically how they, they, they rolled that out. He says, well, if I don't pass this test then I won't get into college. And if I don't get into college, then I won't get a good job. If I won't get a good job, then I can't afford a place to stay. And if I don't have a place to stay, then I can't buy and and store food. And if I can't have food, then I'll starve. And if I starve, I'm going to die. And that's really, we get afraid of stuff. And they they said, all fear stems ultimately from this, this fear of death because we're afraid of what could happen to us. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that, that whether that is true or not, all fear is based on unsubstantiated and basically false reasoning in our life. Kind of like you just looked at that, that, that little uh, stream of information that went through that person's head. If I don't pass the test, I don't get to college, I don't get the job. You know, we, it, one small thing in our lives, we become afraid because we're afraid of what's going to happen if that thing happens. Or that you can get hurt. You begin to make up all these different things in your lives. I used to read these, these books they were, uh, 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 it's called the, the Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan, a big long series of books, fantastic set of fantasy books, not Christian at all, they're, they're just regular, regular books, but great storyteller, he, he writes in such a way that makes um, Tolkien seem dry, an amazing writer. But one of the things is, is in this time there was this uh, uh, people that their job was, was, was getting answers, they were called questioners, they, they tortured people for answers, and he said that this guy is describing what he was doing and he's got this person that they're trying to get talk and he begins to say, go get me a piece of straw and get me a knife and get me a needle and get me, any, get me a, a, a string of rubber hose and all this stuff. And the, the person's hearing all this stuff that's coming. 
And they eventually are so terrified, they spill out everything. And his partner looks at him and says, what are you going to do with all this stuff? And he goes, I have no idea. It doesn't matter what I'm going to do. What they come up with in their mind is going to be far worse than anything that I would ever do. And the truth is, that's what happens with us in fear. We begin to, you guys have ever heard the, the common acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real? We begin to, begin to create these fantastic um, situations in our head based on what's going to happen. And the truth is, 99% of what we fear never, ever happens. And the reality is, is that when we do that, fear becomes the enemy of faith. It begins to tear. It's basically, faith is, fear is the opposite of faith. You can either have faith in God or fear your circumstances. And truthfully, fear really is just faith, right? Except for it's faith in something other than God. You believe that something terrible is going to happen. You have faith in, in this craziness that's going to happen instead of trusting God. And fear becomes this, this, this detriment to faith in our life. And the truth is, is I, I don't believe that, that fear is a sin. Because we've all felt fear, right? I believe that Jesus, when he was in the garden and crying out to God, the reason he was crying out is because he, he felt fear. But the difference with Jesus is, not my will, but your will be done. The thing is, is that, that you know, the, the only reason that God would tell us not to fear if it was, if it was because it's possible for us to fear. But the reality is, is that our, our faith muscle has to be stronger than our fear muscle. When your fear comes in, you have to choose to exercise something else. You have to make a choice to trust instead of fear. And it doesn't mean that you, you don't fear at all, but it means that in spite of the fear, you're going to do something else. You guys know that muscles get strong by exercising them, right? And the same thing goes with our spiritual muscles. And we want to work out our faith. We want to exercise our faith at every opportunity that we have. And, and have you ever seen somebody that's got massive upper bodies and they've got the little, the little tiny legs? And you're like, they skip, they skip leg day. You ever seen that? You don't ever want to skip leg day if you guys are working out. I just want you to know that right now. But you know what you want to, you want to skip when you're talking about spiritual exercise? Don't skip faith day. You can skip fear day, though. Don't exercise that muscle. The scripture says that we are called to be strong and courageous. You know, courage, you've heard a different version of this so many times, but courage isn't the absence, it's not the absence of fear, but rather moving forward in spite of fear. Like I said, I don't, I don't believe when, when God's saying do not fear, he's not saying that it's not okay to have that emotion. What he's saying is instead trust me. It doesn't matter what's coming at you. One of the best versions of that quote that I just said, that, that's, that phrase that I just said is, is penned by Ambrose uh, Redmoon. I have no idea who that is, but I liked what, what this, this gal said. She said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. And for, for the Christian, that means believing that God's faithfulness is more important and trustworthy worthy than any circumstance we could ever face in our life. Amen? So we're going to take a look at today the, the three things that I told you we're going to look at. Fear of man, fear of circumstances, and ultimately fear of God. And uh, uh, the first scripture we're going to look at today is Psalm 118.6. The Lord is on my side. 
I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, one of the, the, probably one of the strongest reasons that we fall back from our calling in life, that we don't do what God asks us to do, is because of men. And when I say men, I mean it in the biblical term men, like people, not just men. Because we all know women are way worse, right? Right? No, just kidding. No yelling, Jan. I was just kidding. So yeah, it's people in our lives mess us up, man. We're so worried about what other people think of us, what they might do, what they might say. I'll be honest with you, even now when I go and knock on a door, when we go out to do outreach, every time I get that, that fear wells up inside of me. Like, I don't know what they're going to do when they open the door. And, and you know what always happens? The worst that's ever happened to me is they said, I'm not interested, and they, they shut the door in my face. That's the worst that's ever happened to me. And usually it's much more, even if they don't want to hear it, they'll still take the time to listen to what you've got to say and say thanks for stopping by, shake your hand, and go on their way. Nothing may ever happen of it, but they're still pleasant. But still, every time I walk up to a door, I feel that fear welling up inside of me. Like I'm afraid I'm going to, I'm going to open the door and they're going to see who I am and just start cussing and yelling and swinging with a bat or something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm afraid of. It's never happened, but I still, I still feel that. So we have to make a choice. Do we, do we choose to press on, or do we choose to be to to never knock on the door? Because see, what's going to happen is is that we've knocked on doors and sometimes they're not interested. Like I said, the worst happened. They said not interested and they just closed the door. You know, sometimes they listen, but nothing ever comes from it. But you know what? Sometimes we make a difference when we talk to people. And if we wouldn't have pressed, if we, won't, if we don't press through that fear, then no impact would have ever been made at all. And somebody would have been missed out on what God had for them, and you definitely would have missed out on what God had for you. You guys ever seen the documentary, The End of the Spear? I watched that uh, when I was in grade school, and actually in school we watched that when I, was, I lived in Germany. We were going, so obviously that was before that kind of stuff wasn't allowed in school. But it basically it tells the story of, of five American missionaries that, that went to Ecuador, and they were brutally speared to death by a, like a savage Stone Age tribe. These, these, this tribe had, had not advanced. They were still living in that kind of Stone Age mentality. And they were known as the the Awakas, might be how you pronounce that. It's A-U-C-A-S. We're going to go with Awakas. And uh, they, they, they killed them. Now, the interesting thing, if you know the story, they, they were going to try to reach these people. And there's these five missionaries. And one of them, the one that I think that's most known is Jim Elliott. Um, they're going to go reach these missionaries. And for six months, they began to fly overhead and drop down like care packages and stuff. They were trying to soften them because they knew they were a savage tribe. They knew that what they were doing was unsafe. And I want you to know, I can guarantee you, these five men, when they decided to land that plane on the, on the sandbar that they did so they could finally reach out for the first time, I guarantee you that they were afraid. But they decided to do it anyway. And you know what happened? They were killed immediately. They were stabbed with spears. They were speared to death. And you're like, well, that didn't seem effective, God. But in spite of their fear, they went forward. And in this case, they were killed. But if you know the rest of the story, it didn't stop there. Two of the men's wives 
uh, um, Jim Elliott's wife and another guy, and I forget their names, I'm sorry, they decided to go back and minister to this tribe. I guarantee you they were scared. They just killed their husbands. Yet they decided to push on. So what seemed like such a tragic thing, you know what ends up happening? That entire tribe gets saved. Because they just didn't under, they were overwhelmed by the fact that, that these wives would come and still live with them and spend time with them and be a blessing to them, even though they just killed their husbands. And what the enemy meant for harm, you know, the enemy was rejoicing when the missionaries got killed, but what the enemy meant for harm, God turned around and used for good. I'm bringing the splash section to you. <laughs> but God turned it around and used it for good. And this entire tribe was saved. And I was reading in the little, the little summary of this, they're actually not even known by the, the tribe name Wakas. And I don't, I don't know why they changed their name, but, uh, but uh, it seems to me that they, turned, they, were, they weren't who they used to be. They were changed by God. It's like Peter had his name and Paul had his name changed. They all there because they were something else. But you know what? I know the men were scared, and I guarantee you the wives were scared. Because the men thought they might get killed. But the women, I bet you they figured it was pretty likely it had already happened once. But they operated in spite of their fear, and they were incredibly successful, and an entire tribe came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, the, the, the tribal leader at the time, he's now a missionary to, he still goes around just, I, I know at least like six or eight years ago, he was still going around ministering here in, in, in the United States. See, the truth is, we're so scared of what man might do to us. But the scripture in Matthew 10.28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. There is nothing that can separate you from God. I mean, the, the truth is, if, if you're out there living for Jesus and you get killed before it, get killed for it, the only difference is, is you get to see Jesus before I do. The scripture says that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Not even death. What can man do to you but kill you? And when you realize that this short stint on earth is such a short part of your eternity, as long as you've done what God's called you to do, you're okay to go. Amen? And the truth is, in this country the worst you're going to get, for the most part, is the door shut in your face. So we don't even have that kind of excuse for our fear. Amen? Look at a couple times in Scripture where we see fear operating in people's lives for this very reason. And I know that's small, so I'll just read through it quickly. Numbers 13, 25 through 33, it says, At the end of 40 days they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. He's talking here, this is its fruit. They brought back grape clusters that were so big they had to be carried by two men. However, the people who dwell in this land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. 
and the Amalekites dwell on the land of Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell on the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. That right there is the faith muscle working stronger than the fear muscle. And it says, Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land, and they had spied out, saying, The land, though which we have gone to spy out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, and we come from the Nephilim, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. You see, this is one of those situations where people's fear got the best of them. Instead of trusting God, they trusted their fear. And in this case, if you know the story, this is when uh, Moses is leading the the Israelites out of Egypt. They're they're getting ready to take the promised land. So Moses sends 12 spies in the land and says, let's go take a look at it. So we're wise at how how we move into there. And they come back and only Caleb and Joshua says, you know what, we can do this. The land is just like God said it was. And there's people there, but God says it's ours. Let's go occupy it. You know, he says here, so let's go at once and occupy it. He says, don't go and, and fight and attack and try to take it. He says, let's occupy it. He understood that it was already theirs. They just needed to move in. But the rest of the other ten spies, which we don't even know their, their, their names, I don't believe, the other ten spies that no one ever hears about or talks about anymore other than here, because they were afraid. They didn't do what God called them to do. And they said, you know what, we can't go in there. Sure, it's just like God said it was. It's, it's flowing with milk and honey, but the people there, they're huge. And there's too many, and they're too strong. And then he says this. He says, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Notice the ordering of that. He says, we seem to ourselves as grasshoppers, and so we were to them. It doesn't say they, they looked at us and thought we were small. It says that we thought we were small. They were afraid. And as such, there's no way they could be victorious. And their fear and their life caused them to, as we know the rest of the story, they had to wander in the desert. The Israelites had to wander in the desert for 40 years. And nobody who was over the age of 20 made it in. They all died in the wilderness. Everybody who listened to their fear instead of trusting God did not get to experience what God had intended for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When we give in to our fear, there's a good chance that you're not going to, almost a guarantee that you will not experience what God had intended to you, particularly if you stay in that fear. Now, if you've been afraid for a moment, you can turn that around. You can choose to use that faith muscle instead. But as long as we live in fear, we'll never receive what God intended for us to receive. The next one that I want to look at here is, is in Deuteronomy. It says, so Moses, this is kind of the rest of the story. This is before they go into the promised land. Moses is not going to be able to go, as we know, because he was disobedient as well. And, and uh, uh, God told him to, to tap the stone once for water to come out. Moses threw a fit because he was upset, beat on the stone for a little bit. And God said, you know what? All you had to do was be obedient. But he doesn't get to go in either. So Deuteronomy 31, 1-8 says, Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today, and I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. 
And the Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to to Sion and Og and the kings of the Amorites into their land, and when he destroyed them, and the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be in fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you, and he will not leave you or forsake you. And Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with the people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be fear or be dismayed. You know, we know the rest of the story now. Joshua does take Israel in to the promised land. But I find it interesting. He tells them, don't be in fear, don't be in dread. He doesn't say you have no reason to be in fear or be in dread. I mean, they're still armed people. There's people is occupied by other people. They have armies. They don't want to leave. They're going to fight. They're going to fight back. But it says right here, it is the Lord who goes with you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God never says you don't have a reason to be afraid. He doesn't ever say that you are an idiot for being afraid. But he says, you know what? I am with you. So you don't have to be afraid. And in this case, we know the rest of the story. You know, that's the the great thing about reading the Bible that was written 2,000 years ago. We always know the rest of the story. And we know that they are victorious. They went in. They took the promised land. God was faithful, just like he said. And this is a case where they decided to flex their faith muscle instead of their fear muscle. And they came in and, and they inherited that land. They got what God intended them to have because they trusted him. Amen? And then we're going to look at the circumstances that we might face in life that also causes us fear. You know, in this last story we looked at people that can get in the way. People that can cause us to be afraid of what they might do to us. And in the case of the Israelites, they were afraid of the people in that land. They thought they were going to hurt them, destroy them. And in this case, I want to start looking at the different circumstances in our life that can cause us to be afraid. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. You know, in Isaiah 39... Isaiah prophesied that Israel would be carried off to Babylon. He said that they were going to be enslaved, they were going to be carried out, and these words right here were written to comfort those who were going to be in captivity some years later. And God said, fear not, for I am with you. Even though you're in a bad situation, even though you're enslaved, you've been drugged from your home, even though all these terrible things happen, fear not, for I am. And with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The reality is, is that there may be circumstances in our life that we're going to face that's going to cause us to fear. And these circumstances could be the attack of the enemy. Sometimes we have the enemy attack us, and it puts us in terrible situations. And we can choose to be afraid of what's going on, what's happening, or we can choose to trust God. Sometimes we get put in situations because we live in a broken world that's falling apart. It has nothing to do with the enemy. It has nothing to do with you. We live in a broken world that's falling apart. 
We see natural disasters happening and people's homes being ripped apart. And, and for the most part, the only reason that, uh, that anybody could be laid to any blame is because you, lived, you live in a flood zone and you get flooded. You can't complain too much. But the truth is, is that we live in a broken world. This world is falling apart. We're seeing uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis and floods more than we've ever seen before. And it's because we live in a broken world. It's not anybody's fault per se. And God says, even in those situations when everything's falling down around you and your, your world is falling apart, that I am with you and I will hold you up. Other times we get in situations because we do dumb things. Anybody ever did a dumb thing and put yourself in a bad situation? That's probably the, the, the majority of the situations I get myself put in. Did something I should have, said something I should have. Now, I know you guys may not believe it, but sometimes I say stuff that I, I shouldn't. I talk too fast. I know you look at me and you're like, I can't see that coming from him, but it's true. Sometimes I say stuff that I, that I shouldn't have. I talk too fast. And uh, even in those situations, when it's, even if it's your own fault, God will be with you and stand with you. And there's, there's no reason to be afraid if you'll look back towards him. And the other one that I want to bring up is other times God will challenge you to do things that you thought that you couldn't do. And you're afraid of what will happen if you step out. You're afraid of, you know, imagine when, uh, when, when Jesus told Peter to step out of the boat, there was a moment of like, Jesus, let me tell you how water works. You can't stand on it. I bet you there was a moment of fear, but he decided to trust God. And then we see what happens as he finally gets to Jesus. The fear overtakes him. He, he begins to look towards the fear instead of to Jesus, and he begins to sink, and Jesus pulls him out. The truth is, as God says, that even in situations where I challenge you to do unthinkable, and un, not unthinkable in like terrible ways, but like in like ways doing stuff that you couldn't imagine, even when I ask you to do those kind of things, don't be afraid. I am with you. And I can tell you what, I know what it's like to feel fear when God has challenged you to do something. Because when God first called me to be a pastor, I felt a little bit afraid. Because I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, the truth is, sometimes I still look back and I'm like, man, it must be because God chose to use the, the foolish to... To, to mess with the wise because he picked a foolish one here. But I'm going to keep trusting him. But I tell you what, that was, that's nerve-wracking. That's, that's, I mean, just even getting up and speaking in front of people can be scary. And I can tell you what, when we decided to move forward into this building, the, 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 the lease on this building, the six-year lease, is like three dollars $400,000. Ain't nobody in this room's name on that lease but mine. And there's that, that moment of fear where you're like, God, what if this doesn't work out? What if, I'm, what if I'm hearing you wrong? What if you didn't call me? To, what, if, what if this is all in my, you know, all these things go through your head. And there's that fear that you feel when God calls you to do something that seems insurmountable or impossible. And truthfully, all these things are impossible without God. I can tell you right now, being in this building would have been impossible without God. 
And I can tell you that even though there was moments of fear and, and sometimes it tries to creep back in, I choose to trust God instead because he's the one that told me to do it. He's the one that said, go ahead. If you guys know the story, I was sitting at the table when the numbers came back and I sat down with the, the landlord and I, I said, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry we misunderstood each other, but I told you this is what I could spend. This is what I was willing and this is way out of it. And uh, I got up and began to walk away. And at that moment, Ryan's like, hey, wait a minute. And, and at that moment, God said to me, no, this is it. And I'm like, but God, I told you what numbers I was willing to spend, what I was willing to do. And I sat back down, and at that moment, God, I mean, if you guys, some of you guys who have been here knew the story of, of how this thing took place. God's hand was in it all the way. But it doesn't change the fact that, uh, that, it, that there were moments that I was afraid to sign my name. There were moments, but I, I, I know what it's like to be afraid of circumstances that are coming up when God's challenging you to do something. But I want you to know that if God challenges you to do something, he's not going to do it without giving you the tools, without giving you the resources, without giving you the opportunity to do what he's called you to do. And if you will overcome that fear and stand against it, it's not to say you can't be afraid. You might, you, you will. But if what you do in spite of that fear, step out and follow what God has for your life. Amen? This is what happened to, to Abraham, right? In Genesis 15, 1-6, that after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. It says, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield, your reward shall be great. But, Abraham, but Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And be, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. I mean, at this time, Abram's pretty old. He's just receiving the promise that he's going to be the heir of many nations. And he's like, God, I'm, I'm old. I think he's about 75 at this point. At this point, Sarah's womb is already considered dead. They can't have kids. And, and God's making a promise to him and says, you're going to be the father of the many nations. And I imagine, you see, when we read the Scriptures... I feel like time is always super compressed into the words that we read. You know, and even here, it's just a few chapters later that it comes to fruition. He has, <clears throat> he has uh, uh, the son of the promise. And we're like, oh, it's only a few chapters later. But it was 25 years later. And you know, it says that he believed the Lord and encountered it to him as righteousness. And I don't know if that was an instantaneous thing, but I imagine even if it was, he still ran through his head. Wait a minute, I'm old as dirt. She's old as dirt. Kids don't happen at this age. Her womb is dead. I mean, when Sarah found out about it later, she laughed. When she was already past fear. She thought, she thought the Lord was kidding. You must be crazy. And then even later, as they continue to trust God, there must have been moments of fear creeping in because they're like, you know what? Sarah's like, go ahead and take my maidservant. Go into her and let's, let's give God a hand. And we know that that wasn't the way. They were to trust God. You know, I imagine in this situation that there was, especially as they continued on, and, and it seemed it took 25 years for God's promise to be fulfilled. You know, when God tells you something, it's real easy to, to not fear and, and believe for 15 minutes. But how about doing it for 25 years? But God says, fear not, Abram. 
I am your shield, and your reward will be great. What about Joseph? We talked about this briefly last week, but this is another story. In Matthew 1, 18-21, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, Joseph had reason to be afraid. I tell you what, if my wife came home pregnant, I know we hadn't done anything, I would be afraid that she was unfaithful. And then not only that, he's dealing with that. The angel comes to him and says, hey, don't fear to take your wife. It wasn't somebody else. It was God. It's cool. It's okay. But then he's still got to deal with the fear of, what are people going to say? What are my parents going to say? What are the, what's, the, what's the church going to say? Are they going to judge me? Are they, I mean, what's going to go on? And, and you have to know that there was fear in his life. But the, but the angel who God sent says, do not fear. Because that's what God wants you to know. Trust Him. Do not fear. I'm at work. You know, the reality is in all these situations, what if He would have feared? What if you'd have said no? What if Abraham would have feared and not trusted God? What if Joshua and the people then would have feared and not trusted God? They wouldn't have reached what God wanted them to reach. They wouldn't have lived the life God wanted them to live. They wouldn't have walked the calling that God called them to live, and more importantly, they wouldn't have received the blessing and the provision and the promise that God wanted them to have. Amen? And the next one I want to look at is when God shows up. And I know we're probably going to run a little bit. Is it okay if we go a little bit late today? i got a little bit more to go through, and I think it's important. But uh, I want to talk about when God shows up. Because sometimes we're afraid when God shows up next. So in Mark 6, 48 through 50, it says, When they saw they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. So now we have the disciples on the boat. And this is one of those situations, God shows up and they get afraid. God shows up and does a miracle. He does something miraculous. He challenges their perception of what is real and what is okay and what's normal, and they get afraid. And God ever showed up in your life and challenged your perception of what's real, what's normal, what's okay, what can be done? And you begin to have that fear creep into your life. And he sees them on the sea, and they're like, people can't walk on water, it must be a ghost. And they're terrified, and they cry out. Well, what's Jesus say to them? Take heart. Do not be afraid. You know, and I wonder why did they have to not be afraid? Because I imagine the first thing was that when God shows up, we, we can become afraid. And I imagine in this case is because they, they didn't know what was going on. It, it challenged a perception of what was right. And you have that moment when you realize that God is real and His power is so much greater than you could ever imagine. You begin to understand where you, how you fit in compared to a God that big. That's why this morning when I prayed, I'm so amazed at God's love for us because we are so 
insignificant compared to Him, but He has considered us significant. He has considered us valuable when the reality is that, that in and of ourselves that we're not. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. Because God considers you significant. He considers you valuable. But we begin to realize how great God really is and how powerful He really is. And it's not just a song we learned in Sunday school, but it's, it's real in our life. And that can be a little scary. We also recognize that when God shows up, that our expectations are different. Because when God shows up and calls you to do something, the responsibility is real. The expectation is real. And that can be terrifying as well. You know, my, my wife, when she, she met me, and before she met me, she was praying for a godly man, and, and, I, and I wasn't quite one yet, but I was, work, I was getting there. Obviously, things changed in my life, but she says, send me a godly man, and, and I get sent to her life, and, and, uh, and then God says, you're going to be a pastor, and she goes, wait a minute, God, I didn't ask for a pastor. Or when God calls you to something, it's something you know that, that when you're married and you're a pastor, it's not just me. She's, she's walking alongside me. I mean, she was called to responsibility as well. And both of us had those moments of being afraid. Because when God shows up and says, you need to do something, that can in- inspire a little bit of fear. You know the other times that we get afraid when, when, when God shows up? So we don't recognize that it's Him. That's what happened here. They didn't realize it was Jesus. God shows up and does something amazing and we don't realize He's moving and we become afraid of what's going on, what's going on in our life. And then finally, the, another reason which many of us probably fear in our lives, but it's one of the reasons we shouldn't, is because we don't know Him as we should. God shows up and we're expecting to get hit across the legs with a stick because we did something wrong. Or He's coming to punish us or teach us a lesson. When the reality is, is that when God shows up, He shows up with grace and mercy. But we don't know Him as we should, so we become afraid when He moves. But I want to encourage you, when God shows up, His words are always, take heart, do not be afraid. In Luke 1, 8-13, through we talk about Mary now. And now while He was... Oh, sorry, this is... Uh, 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 Zechariah. Now, while he was serving as the priest before God when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You know, Zechariah, he's a high priest. He's in, the, he's in the temple. He's praying. He's doing his thing. And God shows up. And it says the fear fell upon him. The angel of the Lord shows up, and fear fell upon him. And I wonder what was going through his head. Because especially back then, if you didn't do something right in the temple, I mean, you were dead. It would kill you. So I imagine that's his first thought. God shows up and he begins to wonder what he did wrong. What's going on here? Or maybe he's afraid because he doesn't know who it is. Somebody else is in the temple and they're not supposed to be there. For whatever reason, God shows up and instantly Zechariah begins to feel afraid. 
And we know the, uh, the, the reason why the angel showed up is because Zechariah had been praying. And he shows up and he says, it says that uh, uh, the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And it says, For your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And that's an interesting answer to a prayer because our instant, our, our first thought is that Zechariah has been praying for a son, right? But the reality is, is one, it says he's a righteous man. And uh, him and his wife are, are, are righteous, and, and they're, they're old. They're past childbearing age. They, they recognize that they're probably not going to have a kid. So I don't believe that he was praying for a son. He was in there performing his duties. He was a righteous man. He was praying for Israel. He was praying for his people. And God says, don't worry, your prayers have been answered. Your wife is with child. And how does that make sense? Well, we know that when John was born, he made way the path of the Lord. He began to declare in the wilderness that that God was coming. He was part of the plan of salvation. Basically, Zechariah was praying for his nation, his people. And God says, it's beginning. Your prayers have been answered. But he was afraid. You know, sometimes... I think that we're afraid our prayers are going to be answered as well. Because what would that mean? One of the... There's a, a guy that I know who's uh, paraplegic. He doesn't have... He's in a chair. Uh, you know, he doesn't have use of his legs or his hands and, and been prayed for for years. And still he hasn't been healed. And I wonder, you know, when, when, when healing doesn't happen... I know what the scripture says. The scripture says that healing is ours in, in Jesus. So if there's a breakdown, it's not in God. And we're like, well, you know, why is this not happening? What's going on here? And the reality is, is that for someone like that, for that prayer to be answered, their entire life will be changed. I wonder if there's not, and this is speculation. I have no idea what this person is thinking. But it's something that has that, that run through my head. But I mean, uh, what would it mean if you were to be healed? Everything would change. Responsibilities would change. His life would change. Where he lives would change. I mean, everything would change. That's got to be scary. Sometimes when God shows up, it'll cause you to fear. But like I said, the answer is always, take heart, it is I. God showed up and saw Mary, right? And, and he told her not to be afraid as well. Luke one twenty six to 33 says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. It says that the angel shows up and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at this saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. I always wonder what's going through these people's minds when this happens. You know, we always talk about, man, my faith would be so great if I lived in those times, if God showed up on my doorstep. If, probably not. We'd probably run away screaming, freaking out, what the heck just happened? Or be like Midian and test God 27 times. No, if I put this out and there's dew on it and not that, then I'll believe you. And it happens. 
well, if I put this out and there's dew everywhere, but on this, then I'll believe you. And that, I'm, I was, I'm like, I'm glad God was patient with him. But, you know, she shows up to Mary and, and, and he, she doesn't know what to think. What is this? What, is this, what kind of greeting is this? I got an angel of God standing before me. He's like, what is he here for? What, what did I do? What's going on? And there's that when God shows up and instills fear. I don't know what it was. Was she worried about that because she was afraid God was there to, to punish her or teach her a lesson? Or was she worried about what God was about to ask her to do? When God calls you to do something amazing, I imagine there's this, I know it happened in my life, and I'm sure it's happened in yours, there's moments of fear that, that, that steps up. But you know what? She decides, and we know the rest of the story, she decides to flex that faith muscle instead and says, be it done according, or be it done to me according to your word. And she says, you know what? I'm going to step out. I'm going to trust you instead of be afraid. But the answer is always, where is it at here? Do not be afraid. In 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7, it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God gave us a spirit of, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And all the stories that we've looked at except for the first one, in the case of the spies, we've seen how, we've seen the result of faith in their lives and not the result of fear. In the first one, we saw what happens when you let fear take control of your lives. You don't get to enter the promised land. And fear will cause you all kinds of problems in your life. It'll cause you, it'll, it'll stop God, it'll stop you from reaching the potential that God wants for your life. And it says, here it says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But instead He's given us a spirit of power and love and self-control because the reality is, for what God has called us to do, it says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands. When you want to, to live out the gift that God has given you, if you want to live out the calling that God has given you, you have to fan that, you have to cultivate that, you have to grow that, and that can't happen if you're afraid of what will happen. To fan our flame, to walk how God wants us to walk, we have to move forward and take initiative. We have to be courageous and conquer the fear that might rise up inside of us. And that fear that happens, it's true, we do have fear, but God says, I didn't give it to you. What I did give you was power and love and self-control. And if God... You know, there's a reason why that God is talking about these two things in the same sentence because I believe that these things right here, power, love, and self-control are what gives us the ability to conquer the fear that's in our life. We have the, the, the power that God gives us to overcome anything and the self-control He gives us to, to make wise decisions to move forward and trust Him. And we all know that the Scripture says that perfect love casts out all fear. And if we'll operate in this spirit instead of this spirit that doesn't come from God, then we can move forward in spite of the fear. And we can move forward with boldness and courage into our calling. Amen? And we're going to go end on this. I want to read uh, 
Psalm 9 through through 16. I know it's a long read, but uh, I think it's a great place to end when we're talking about uh, dealing with fear. In Psalm 91, and we'll start in verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, your, your refuge is your shelter. It says, For he will deliver you from the snare of the, the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the air that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will... For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot, because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him, I will protect him, because he knows my name. And when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, the truth is, is that the Lord is our reason not to fear. You're going to face circumstances that you have a legitimate claim to fear in your life. Some stuff is going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But the Lord is your reason not to fear. We know that these, this here is, <coughs> is referring to Jesus as well. And his life is inside of you. God is our refuge. Jesus is our our refuge. He's our shelter. And we can place our trust in him because he loves us. He says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And it's just like a father loves his son. An earthly father loves his son and will do all to take care of him. Our Heavenly Father is so much greater than that. And if we know that He loves us, we can place our trust in Him and live and walk without fear. Like we said earlier in 1 John 4, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. How can we live with no fear even though there's legitimate reasons to be afraid? It's because our trust is in God who loves us, who is our refuge, who is our shelter, who is our fortress, who is our protector. And because He loves us, we can walk without fear because His love will cast out all fear in our lives. Just like when a child will jump from a, from a, from a table into her father's arms without fear, even though she could fall, she could drop. Her love for Him, for her father, and her father's love for her will cause that child to jump without any fear. And the same is for us. Even though there's circumstances in life, that can cause fear. God is with you. And as a result, we can live without fear. So this morning, I want to challenge all of you guys to be a people who who will move forward in your calling. Trusting in God rather than being derailed or paralyzed by fear. 
Do you know that everybody in this room has a calling? God has a plan and purpose for every single person in this room's life, from the, the oldest of us to the youngest of us. God has a purpose for you to be in this world. He has something that he's put you in place to do that is your responsibility. It's your job. And I know for me, and I've said it before, is I never want to get to find out later that somebody else had to do the job that God called me to do because I was afraid, because I wasn't willing. So I challenge you all this morning to face that fear and conquer it, not in your own strength, but in His, because He loves you. Amen? Amen. Let's go and bow our heads.